Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. And then along the way, uh, met and, and married my now former husband and um, went through a, a pretty, um, you know, ugly divorce. And it was a public divorce. And and um, and that was another pivot I had to do. Like We had a business together. We ran a matchmaking business. We had books together. And then I had to go out and explain that we were doing a business based on love, but fell out of love. And so that was an, uh, yet another pivot. So the big questions are these. How can we navigate and negotiate every situation in our lives, in our career, in our businesses, in our relationships, and even with ourselves for our own self-worth? In other words, what if you could win every time and have no losers? Let's face it, we're not negotiating just to buy a car or for a pay raise. We are negotiating for living in every aspect of our lives. How can we do that powerfully, successfully, and victoriously? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rebecca Zong, and welcome to the time where you negotiate your best life. Welcome to another episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I've got Tamsin Fadal with me today, and she is a dear friend and also a super kick-ass, accomplished, amazing <laughs> uh, uh, female. Who I, I love kick-ass women, and she, she's 12 Emmys. I mean, how is that even possible? She's not even old enough to have 12 Emmys. <laughs> Oh, (laughs) Uh, she's a news anchor in New York City. Uh, She has uh, written a book called The New Single. She has a podcast, uh, which I was actually just fortunate enough to be on called Coming Up Next. She has, she sits on the board of several things, including, um, what is it called? Broadway? Tell me what it's called. Um, yeah, I'm on the board of Best Buddies, and I actually have host a show, Broadway Profiles, all about Broadway the arts. Profile. So, yeah, and I'm excited because Broadway's Ellis coming Island. back, so it's nice. Uh, yeah, tell me about the Ellis Island thing too, because my dad came through Ellis Island. That's how. Oh he- wow! Well, that's what this is all about. It's the Ellis Island uh, Awards that there are every year, and I mean, I was just so honored to be part of it. I, I hosted it for a very long time, and um, and then was honored with uh, one of the medals, one of the Ellis Island Medals of Honor, and so that was kind of neat. But it's uh, what a special place, right? To go back and look at all the names and, yeah, and the families that have come my dad's through. There. Yeah, yes, I mean, he was only fourteen when he came through with. His his family, my grandparents. Gosh, can you imagine? I, I, I just, just it's, yeah, like when they came through, like on this big ship from China, yeah. like, you know, yeah. I just can't even imagine, like, they don't speak the language and here they are. And, you know, at the time they came, Japan was bombing China. I can't imagine, you know, the way we grew up, we we didn't have to like grab the clothes off of our back, jump onto a boat. No, Everything's being bombed and go to some land that we've never seen, heard of, don't speak the language and figure it out. I mean, it's- I know, I know. You talk about being bold and being brave and having perseverance and just- you know, I mean, just and, and having no choice actually in so many of the cases. And so it just, it really is, it really is incredible. It's a special place though, because I guess I go there and I guess I feel 
you know, I feel the people that have come through there. I think that there's a special, I get chills. There's just a, it's just a special feeling when you go, you know, it really is. It's all about our history and it's all about, uh, you know, achievement and human sacrifice and, and what people have done and, and people who have made our country what it is. It's so much so. And and it really kind of, I'm glad that we actually kind of started with that, the conversation with that because right. our whole conversation today is about what's next, coming up next, what, you know, how to start a new chapter. And yeah. so many of the people who listen to me, who follow me are in situations where they're looking to break free, where they're looking to figure mm-hmm. out what's next in their lives. And 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 maybe in situations where you know it's not the greatest and you know survival mode right and figuring out how to come out of it and create a new life and you know that's what we're talking about right mm-hmm. i mean um, and so- I mean, it's how you and I really met, you know, I was, I had, fit, I had written the book, the new single when, when, when you had first, we had first talked and I was, it was going into that new chapter and it was really scary. I was a woman now it seems very young, but, uh, 40 something getting divorced, publicly getting divorced and, uh, you know, just out of, out of a relationship that was a, uh, not, a, not a good relationship, not certainly not a healthy relationship, uh, for me in so many ways. And, and starting those new chapters, they're not easy. And you have a lot of, of fear and a lot of uh, uncertainty and doubt in yourself and a lack of confidence. And I feel like what you do is you give that confidence to you know people and particularly women, I think, every single day with, with your messaging and what you're doing and letting them know that like you can do it, you can get to that other side. Yeah, I mean, but you know, I've been there. I've been in a place mm-hmm. where I've had to figure out what's coming up next in my own life too. I've had yeah. to pivot. I went through divorce myself. I had three little kids and yeah. I went, I put myself through law school at night. I mean, University of Miami had a law school. I happened to have law school at night at the time. They don't even have it anymore, but um, that's what I did. And, you know, it was survival. It was like, okay, you know, how do I figure it out? How do I put a roof over my kid's head? How do I put food on their table? I mean, Mm -hmm. I wasn't like thinking, oh, I'm going to be this, you know, glorious, glamorous lawyer, you know. I mean, at the time it was like, all right, I'm I'm a teacher. I was a teacher teaching inner city kids at the time. And I was like making $26,000 a year thinking, okay, I'm not feeding myself on this. What can I do? What can I do with a bachelor's degree? uh, And I don't, you know, have to have any other prerequisites. Law school. Okay. That's what I'm doing. And so that's what I ended up doing. And, you know, but I'm not unique in the sense that there are lots of people who've had to figure out what's next. And you've also had to pivot in your life. I mean, you lost your mom uh, at a very young age. How old were you Mm -hmm. when your mom... Um, I had just, it was three weeks after my 20th birthday. So I just turned 20 years old. Um, she was she was uh, diagnosed with breast cancer the first time when I was 14 years old. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I always say I grew up backward a little bit. You know, I, I was an adult when I was younger. And then I, you know, I when I was older, I, I felt like I, you know, that's when I got to kind of live my childhood or live that younger age. But yeah, I mean, I had, a, I had to pivot and, you know, you become 
you become a grown up a lot earlier when you lose when you lose a parent earlier, right? There's just there's different expectations and there's just different. You've been exposed to different things. And uh, when I you know I took care of my mom for a long time, and then when she died, I took care of my grandmother. So I had to sort of do that pivot too, and and become the adult of the family, uh, help raise my brother, and um, you know, and those those things I always say those things grow you, and I think you you meet people and you gravitate toward people, you and I've gravitated toward each other who have gone through similar situations, whatever they are. They don't have to be the exact same situation, but they do have to be some kind of growing, right? And um, and that's what I did when I was younger. And that was, it was very hard. It was a, a middle of college. And uh, it's like, I went into the, the winter break with my mom and I came out of the winter, you know, break without my mom. And when, you know, I had to go back to school. So that was a, you know, that was a time that was really difficult for my family, particularly as a, a young woman. And um, and then I I finished school and and uh, decided I was going to, you know, have a career in journalism and went all around the country doing that and uh, and and wouldn't give that up for the world. I, I told a lot of people's stories. I realized after my mom died, I wanted to be of service to people. I, I didn't even know what it meant. You know, I don't even know I said those words, but I knew I wanted to give back somehow. And journalism kind of felt like I could tell people stories, help them out if they were in hard situations, help give them answers. And so that's what I did for a long time. And then along the way, uh, met and, and married my now former husband and uh, went through a, a pretty, um, you know, ugly divorce and it was a public divorce and and um and that was another pivot I had to do like we had a business together we ran a matchmaking business we had books together and then I had to go out and explain that we were doing a business based on love but fell out of love and so that was an uh, yet another pivot to uh, you know but I, but I think we go through them and as as we go through them we learn how to navigate um who we are right? In them. And then we learn how to navigate different people. And I think what you do is show people how to deal with certain people, narcissists in particular, that uh, sometimes trip us up and we don't even realize what's in front of us. And it can really be a, it can either be a stopping point or we can be able to move past those places. I kind of call it unlocking your bold. You know, I feel like, um, I feel like there's a space in between those two things. Like you're over here and you're really fearful. And then there's like this little space you have to go through to get to the other side. And I could never figure out what that was called. And it was not, it's not fear because we all have fear, right? But it was sort of that bold little area there that you have to unlock and go through to get to the other side. And I feel like that's what we do when we figure out what's coming up next in our lives. Yeah. I I remember you talking about, you know, how you had this um, matchmaking business with your husband. And I mean, here you are, you're teaching people how to find love in their lives, you know, in a very public way, because you Mm -hmm. are, I mean, you're, you're a news anchor. So, you know, certainly in New York City, people know who you are. Right. I mean, and so here you are teaching people how to find the right person for themselves. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? What happens that, you know, that the relationship disin- disintegrates? Yeah, it, it doesn't work. We're not compatible in so many ways. Uh, financially, we weren't compatible uh, in terms of, uh, you know, he was a big spender. I was like trying to save constantly. It was, you know, um, there were, you know, issues within the relationship that were just not going to be reconcilable uh, for me and um, things that I couldn't look past. And uh, it was, it was unhealthy for me. It was just like, a, it was, I didn't 
know about mental health or wellness at the time, but it, it wasn't healthy for me and it was affecting things. It was affecting my job. It was affecting how I felt about myself. And I, I know it took a long time to say like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be divorced. And you know, as well as I do at one time, that wasn't anything people talked about or bragged about or did podcasts about. They they were like, Ugh. I'm going through a divorce. They weren't, there wasn't anything that people talked about, right? I mean, we're, we're of the same, you know, we're kind of of the same age. I certainly was the first divorced person in my family and didn't want to be. And so we spent a long time in counseling trying to figure out if we could stay together and it just was not going to work. And to have to go out there and say, hey, we're not only divorced, but our entire business is like, how's that going to work, right? It's, it's, how is that going to work? And um, and then you know, newspapers got a hold of it, and it was just it was just an unfolding in front of your eyes that you. I woke up every morning like, oh, it's not going to happen again today, is it? Oh, it is. And you ha- and I had to get past it somehow. And there were those days where I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. I had to go through things, and I made lists. Actually, my whole life was made of lists. Like, get out of bed tomorrow morning, walk the dog, you know, get dressed. I had to literally move into every part of my life, you know, line up what I was going to do to get past that. Because it was really embarrassing and really sad and um, really difficult, really difficult. Yeah. And I love, I was actually going to ask you to talk about your list making, because I remember you talking about that before. And I think it's really helpful for people who are listening, who are still in that period of what I call drama, trauma, and chaos, Yeah, where they're just still in this, you know, how do I face my life? How do I get out of bed? How do I you know, face the shame or face the terror or face the fear, you know, all, all of right. those things are so difficult. And and it's not just women, by the way, it's definitely men too. Right. right. You know, I, you know, I know what my statistics are on YouTube. I see my gender breakdown in yeah. on YouTube and also on, on Instagram and all of that. And I know my audience is basically 60, 40. So mm-hmm. I know that it's a lot of men too. Uh, and and definitely the narcissists that I had to deal with in my life. I mean, it, mine weren't in a romantic situation, but I had to deal with some covert female narcissists in my sure, life. Sure. They and, exist. you know, right. so they definitely cause drama, trauma, and chaos for sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it, I love your idea of like just these baby steps. You know, the fact that you took, you made a list that included get out of bed. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, I had to, I had to have compassion for yourself, for myself and you have to do that. You have to, we don't think of it like that, right? We think of taking care of other people. We think of taking care of anybody else but ourselves. And I had to figure out ways to uh, have compassion for myself and at the same time, just function because I was working a full-time job. I was anchoring the news every night. So the girl that came home and took off her makeup and cried on her couch with her chihuahua was not the same girl that they saw on the air giving that, you know, very confident giving them the news every night. I knew how to do my job and that was easy. I didn't know how to do my life. And that was the difficult part. And I remember, and I I still have some of the list. It it would literally be get out of bed, you know, 7 a.m., get out of bed, 7.15, make coffee, 7.30, walk the dog. Things that you're like, how did you not know how to do that? Uh, But it was just those little baby steps that made me feel like, you know, I'm going to be successful. I'm going to get to the next thing. I'm going to get to the next thing. And it enabled me to get through those days, right? And I started out day by day. And then I started out realizing my changes, I needed to make new habits, right? And so 90 days felt like it was 
possible to do something in 90 days. Three months doesn't seem overwhelming. You know, when you give yourself this big runway, it, it seems impossible to do, right? But I gave myself those little steps and then I learned how to have compassion. I learned how to acknowledge suffering. I learned how to take steps to reduce my suffering. Um, I learned how to say like, I'm upset, I'm overwhelmed, I'm hurting, um, it's okay. And that let me heal because... And I went to therapy and I I took time for myself and I did the yoga and I did, I'm not very good at meditation, I try, but I did yoga, but at least that turned my phone off for a little while. But I learned how to heal and get to that next place. And I think that's the only thing that makes us stronger, right? You have to have little blocks, little blocks. Mine were little, mine were mine were like, wake up in the morning. But but it allowed me to do that because that drama and that chaos and that um, frenetic noise, it's, it's a lot and it's a lot to... It's, it's sometimes hard to see your way out of it. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure you've dealt with it, whether it's business or personal, it's very hard oh, to see your way out of that. Completely, completely. Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zone. You know what? It's so important. A friend of mine's going through some relationship stuff right now. And I said to him, you don't have anything else going in. And if you don't have anything else going in, you're in a very dangerous place right now because that's all you can think about is a narrative you have spinning around. So I do think, look, I think quiet time is great, but I think in situations like this, you do have to put those good things in so you have other thoughts. I mean, anything that goes into your ears, you know, usually comes out of your mouth a lot of the time. Are you looking for a feel-good summer read? Well, I've got it for you. The New York Times bestseller, The Lost and Found Summer Bookshop, is now available in paperback. Written by Susan Wiggs, the plot is that after her mother's death, Natalie Harper inherits a charming but financially strapped bookshop in San Francisco and becomes a caretaker for her ailing grandfather. She finds that books provide a welcome solace for her grief and struggle. People Magazine calls the book a feel-good family saga, a charming tale about the silver linings of unwanted detours. It's perfect for readers of Jennifer Weiner, Emily Henry, Elin Hildebrand, and more. It's a great book for book clubs. It's great for poolside, on the beach, at the lake, on vacation, whatever. The link to purchase it is in the show notes. Grab it and get carried away into your summer escape. When it comes to the safety of a child in a divorce case involving alcohol abuse, there is no compromise. Take back power, strength, and truth from the narcissist in your life with documented proof of sobriety. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking when a child's safety is at risk. Soberlink's real-time alerts make it easy to negotiate with any party. Judges can rest assured that the child is safe. Attorneys get court admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Get an exclusive $50 off your device by emailing info at soberlink.com and mentioning Negotiate Your Best Life podcast. Take a listen to our archive, where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life. The thing is, as you were saying, so so many people are suffering from stress, from PTSD and um, other illnesses that are related to stress. If we take care of that component, our emotional regulation 
is probably one of the most important tools of high performance. And now we return to today's show. I mean, I talk a lot about how one of the things that I did was not allow myself to be alone with my thoughts, you know, mm-hmm. un- unattended. <laughs> Don't be yeah, unattended. I get it. I get it. You know, so I would make sure that if I had to be alone with my thoughts, like when I was brushing my teeth or putting on makeup or cooking dinner or walking the dog, that I'm listening to something, Joe Dispenza yep. or an audio book or a YouTube video or something like, you know, um, that I'm not allowed to be, you know, unsupervised in my thoughts. <laughs> narrating right? my own story. I, I love that, not uh, unsupervised. You know what, it's so important. A friend of mine's going through some relationship stuff right now. And I said to him, you don't have anything else going in. And if you don't have anything else going in, you're in a very dangerous place right now because that's all you can think about is a narrative you have spinning around. So I do think, look, I think quiet time is great, but I think in situations like this, you do have to put those good things in so you have other thoughts. I mean, anything that goes into your ears, you know, usually comes out of your mouth a lot of the time. And if you're and if you're putting, if you have those same things going in your head over and over again and ruminating on them, you just get nowhere. You start you start back at the beginning every day and that's just not a good place to be. I love that. I mean, I think you're so right. Unattended with your thoughts is really funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I had to do. Like, you know, I mean, so I I mean, for me, it was, I knew that that was a danger zone time for, Mm -hmm. you know, for Mm -hmm. me. And that was where I was like, uh, you know, no. Um, And so I- Late at night, early in the morning. It was, it's those weird times, right? That you just know- and it'll just keep the busyness going of the going. day keeps you like sure. okay, you know, I'm sure. I'm occupied at that at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when you were talking talking about walking the dog and your Chihuahua and all of that, it reminded me of um, I don't know if you've seen the show Afterlife with Ricky Gervais, but he I is oh yeah, he I mean, you know he's such a genius, right? But yeah. he is uh, it's 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 actually a departure from him because it's it's a drama. Mm-hmm. And his wife has died in the show, and um, he he almost like wants to commit suicide. So the the, the premise after life means after his wife has died, mm-hmm. and he's like moving on. So it's kind of his what's next, his version right, of what's right. next after sure. life. And he, and, you know, in the very first episode, he almost w- was would commit suicide, except that he needs to feed the dog. And the only thing that gets him out of bed right, and right. up is that he needs to feed the dog. Right, right. <laughs> but, but those are those little, 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 little building steps. And, and we've been through them, whether it's a new job, whether it's, whether it's age. You know, I've been grappling a lot with age right now. I mean, age is like a, it's like kind of the death of the young me in some, in some ways. And it's not a bad it's not a bad thing. It's just a different thing. And, it's, and I've, I've realized now I'm filling my head with these incredible stories of perseverance and people. And like before we talked, I was doing my podcast and I was interviewing um, a guy who'd been with the the Boston Herald for like 25, 30 years. And now he's writing books and doing movies and screenplays and he's like very famous. And, and so I fill my head with those kind of stories so that I feel like, oh my gosh, what's my next? What's uh, those? I think that's super, super inspiring. And I think it's, it's super important for people to be able to move into their next place. And if they just get a nugget of information, like from those podcasts you listen to or whatever was going on, it's it, it means a lot. It's a big step. 
Yeah. So, I mean, so you're, you've also hit a milestone recently, Mm -hmm. you know, talking about what's next. I mean, and I've already hit that milestone myself too. I mean, and so, uh, you know, we're, we're both into our fifties, which is like so hard for me to say, um, you know, but I hate that it's hard for me to say, but it is, I'm like, when did that happen? I mean, I was just, I just just had um, uh, dinner with a friend of mine um, last week that, you know, we went to high school together and we were like, how did we get here? How did (laughs) we get so fast? You know, like, we're actually older than our moms were when we were in high school, when we thought they were old. I know. And, I know. You know, it just it feels like it was like this feeding bullet train and yep. it happened so fast. But then we start to go, okay, you know, but when we when our moms were our age, they were, you know, it, times were different. I mean, yeah. well, they were older when they were our age, I think. They I mean, really I, were. I, I think so. And I think, um, you know, I didn't have very much to go with because my mom died early. And so for me, you know, living in this, living now, I'm like, oh my gosh, like my mom, you know, she died now. It seems so young, right? And, but, but I also think that, you know, times are very, very different. You know, our life expectancy is very, very different. But also what people are achieving at different ages. I mean, I think it's it's incredible when I hear some of these stories of people that are, you know, 55 and they're starting their new career or 63 and they're starting a new website or, you know, brand new book or they're a bestseller or they're, you know, starting a new skincare, whatever it is. I love those stories and and they just make me want to do more and be better and be a better service to people and to myself. Quite frankly, had more and more today. I mean, that's happening mm-hmm. all the time now. Yep. I mean, people are always. I mean, it used to be you went to work, you did that job, you retired at sixty-five, you died at sixty-seven, and that was your life. I mean, yep. and yep. and nowadays people are pivoting constantly. Mm-hmm. They're leaving careers, they're starting new careers. You, you, I mean, I see it all the time. I don't know if yep. it's just because I'm in that world, but. Nope. I mean, it is all the time. And I think it's great. I mean, people don't feel that they're stuck in one career and that's their life forever. I mean, the the whole Colonel Sanders thing who, you know, he started KFC when he was 66 or whatever it was. Yeah. um, That's the norm now. I mean- Isn't that amazing? Yeah. But would you, I mean, isn't that amazing? I mean, I I look at it, you know, I- I, um, along with being 50, I'm going through menopause right now, which is also something I would have never spoken about even a year ago. But I but I look at it and I'm like, everything is just so, like that seemed so much older a long time ago. And now we go through things and we deal with them. We deal with them openly in a lot of ways, which I think it makes it a little bit easier and a little bit better so we don't feel like we're alone. And I, I think we're, I think that sharing stories, even like this, um, allows you to reach so many people. And I, I think every once in a while, you don't realize what your story does to to the masses out there. And even if it inspires that one person to start a nail polish line or, you know, start a, I don't know, new service or a nonprofit. I mean, is that Or kind leave of a toxic relationship. Or leave a toxic relationship, job, uh, career, you know, people, whatever it is. Business boss. partner. 
Yep. There is yep. life on the other side. There really is. It, and it, and we're it, seeing a lot of that, though. We're seeing people leave the workforce in droves because there are certain things they're not going to accept anymore. I think that's pretty fascinating. It speaks to what you're doing every day. Yeah, but it is better on the other side. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, especially in today's day and age of everything being online and, you know, there's yeah. there's so much more available to mm-hmm. you as far as a workforce is con- is concerned now. I mean, you're, you're yeah. not even bound as much by geographical area as you used to be. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's really um, no reason to stay in any situation that's not working for you uh, or, or even any relationship that's not working for you anymore. Well, and that's, and I, I've been playing with these words, unlock your bold, but I think that's kind of what it is. It's like how to unlock that little thing so you're not stuck, you know, how to, how to get unstuck. And that's, that's, that's a big deal. And I also think that I live by this phrase, what's the worst thing that can happen, right? Like that's, what is the worst thing that could happen? Aside from something really, really, really awful, which I mean, I don't think that's usually the outcome of most decisions. Uh, you can kind of get by and get through anything, can't you? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, um, is it going to be that you're living under a bridge? Is it going to be that right. uh, somebody never speaks to you again? Is it going to be that, right. you know, and most of the time it's like, well, okay. I mean, I remember somebody told me once, like when you're going through a situation, write, your, write out your pros, write out your cons. And then uh, take your pros and throw them away because, mm-hmm. okay, they're great fine. Look at your cons. Can you live with those? That's really the list that you want to look at. Can you live with those? Um, And if you can't, then that's your answer right there. Um, And and most of the time, it's just not worth it. I mean, you know, life is way too short. And even if you're related to a person or whatever, I mean, you know, it's just not okay. And, And let me just say, there's such a fine line between being the taking the higher road and being the better person and all of that and being a doormat and and yep. allowing them to suck your soul and steal your soul there really is and so you know um you know be this, I compassion love compassion for yourself compassion, compassion for, yourself. for yourself and I love what you're doing with the whole coming up next tell us about your podcast Thanks. tell us how how that came about yeah, you know what? I realize I say the words coming up next every night, but really it's applying to my real life. So I said like, all right, let's go talk to some of these people that are figuring out what their next is. And I and I feel like we I've talked to so many incredible people. Like I've talked to, to people like you. I've talked to people that are that are um, going through changes, trying to figure it out. I've talked to productivity experts to try to help people move into that next place. Um, I you know I when I turned fifty, I was just fascinated by what people were doing with that next chapter or that next story, and I wanted to like absorb, to your point, I wanted to absorb their stories and see what worked for me and then share the information. And as a journalist that, you know, I kind of consider myself a conduit of, of information. I felt like, well, if I'm interested in it, somebody else is probably going to benefit from it too. So that's where I started. And I'm just, I'm having a good time with it. I really am. I, I do it before I go to work in the morning and um, it is, we put it out there every Thursday. And so there's a new episode every Thursday and it's, you know, it's, it's, um, 
it's been kind of neat. I talked to, to Joan London recently who talked about how she pivoted in her career. Uh, we've talked to neat authors. Uh, we've talked to experts, health experts, a, a, a brain expert about how to keep your brain healthy as you go into your next chapter and your next age. And so um, I'm trying to get a little bit of everything and see what you know really resonates with people. Oh, I remember watching Joan London on, Yes, uh, you know, Good Morning. Was it Good Morning America? Wasn't that? Yeah, it was Good Morning America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure was. Sure was. Um, I mean, I was young when she was on there, but. Yeah, yeah. And she's she's done an incredible pivot and she's doing incredible things. And she is, uh, I just love her. She's got a bunch of best-selling books and she's just, she's just yeah. fabulous to talk to. And the same Joan London that you, you know, you watched back then. So it's nice. And I, and I love the fact that she's doing it on her own too. Love doing it. As well. Love yeah. it, love it, love yeah. it. And so um, your book, tell us about where people can find your book and what the name yes. of it is. Um, the new single, um, you can go to TamsonFidel.com or Amazon, of course, and it's about divorce and surviving divorce and just kind of figuring out how to get through it with grit and grace and everything else you need, as you know, to go through divorce. And I'm working on my next one right now about coming up next and next chapters and how people how people conquer them. Okay. And we'll, we'll definitely put um, a, a link to your book in the show thank notes. You, thank you. And, um, yeah. and where can they follow you on Instagram? Yes, at Tamson Fidel. My my name is on all of them on all social media. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Thank you so much, Tamson. Thank so you. Fun. It's so I feel good like to I see talk you. To you all day. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Right. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for stopping by and listening to this episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung. Check back next Monday for more inspirational pearls of wisdom. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, I'd love if you would give it a five-star rating and tell me what you liked in a review on iTunes. Also, be sure to grab your winning negotiation cheat sheet at winmynegotiation.com. And remember, today is a perfect day to start negotiating your best life.